Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Hutchcroft, photographer, copywriter, and educational content creator. Join me while I sit down with talented photographers, savvy entrepreneurs, and inspiring educators from the Unscripted community. Each week, I pick their brains and invite them to share real-life advice so you can learn everything you need to know to grow your dream business. Tune in for conversations about harnessing your creativity, connecting to your clients, building your confidence as a photographer, and so much more. No matter where you are on your photography journey, this is the podcast for you. If you want to celebrate all stories, take photos that matter, and feel empowered in your craft, don't go anywhere. Let's get right into it. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Unscripted Podcast for Photographers. Today on the show, we have the wonderfully talented Jennifer Moher, a Toronto-based wedding photographer and educator. Jennifer's elegant and enduring style reminds us that photography is about more than just the aesthetics. It's about noticing and building relationships. If you ever feel like you've struggled to keep up with the comings and goings of trends, or feel frustrated that you've spent hours mastering one style only to realize that that trend has come and gone, this is an episode for you. Together, Jennifer and I take you on a deep dive into the art of creating timeless images in a trend-obsessed world. We talk about how to capture moments that transcend trends so you can create images that resonate for years to come, and why getting intentional about what you consume helps you create more impactful imagery for your clients. After beginning her education journey over 10 years ago, Jennifer spent a lot of time learning how to translate the ineffable into the practical. Now she's able to take something that's really hard to explain and articulate the exact actionable steps to bring you deeper into your power as an artist. She does just that in this episode. Stay tuned because this is a really good one. I would love to just start with... If you could introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are, what is sort of occupying your mind at the moment, and what you're really excited for in the next couple of weeks. Mm, I like that question. Yeah, so I'm Jen. (laughs) I am a wedding photographer from the Toronto area-ish in Canada, and I've been doing this for 16 years now and education for about 10 years. And in terms of, I mean, right now, today, what is on my mind? What's kind of happening lately? A lot of emphasis on education, but just a lot of musings lately on the intentionality of education and the value that we provide as educators. There's been a Mm. lot of on that. So that's been a big topic of interest and something that I've been, I don't know, having morning meditations on and just processing quite a bit. And to rewind a little bit, like your journey into photography, like you've kind of already spoken about this in one of your early podcast episodes, but it was, yeah, a bit of an unconventional sort of leap into photography. I'm really curious about sort of this story and also like how, what's the sort of timeline between when you just decided to kind of make this leap and where you are now? Yeah. So, I mean, prior to actually starting a business, I had no interest really in photography. It wasn't wasn't like, you know, the stories you hear of people who have a, a camera when they're 15 and, you mm-hmm. know, they're exposing film in a dark room. I didn't have that. I just was the type of person who always brought point and shoot cameras to parties when I was in high school. And then 
As I got older, I ended up having a baby really young. I was 22 when I had my first daughter and I went to get newborn photos taken. And at that time, I was going to university to become a teacher. I was majoring in psych and I wanted to get into teaching. And I was also really broke. I had no money. I was just like, how am I going to support a family now? <laughs> like, what is my life? And so I went to this photographer and got newborn photos taken. And the entire time, she just spoke about how much she loved her job, how she does weddings. And it was like such a massive light bulb moment for me where I was like, why am I not doing this? This is what I'm going to do. So I drove home from that photo shoot. And the whole way, I was just brainstorming. I was like, okay, what's my business name going to be? What's the website going to look like? And I did not even own a camera at this point. Like I was like putting... Putting the cart before the horse, you know, in every aspect of, of the way. And I got home. I registered jennifermoher.com that night. I had to look up. I don't even think Google was a really big thing back then, but I had to, you know, look up how to register a domain name, how to, you know, get a website, all of these things. And I went to a store. I bought a camera. It was like the most budget-friendly camera I could find. And I started putting ads out in a local website, kind of like a Craigslist type synonymous website, basically, <laughs> where you, yeah, you just advertise your services. I put out ads for free photography just to get work. And within, I want to say within three years, I was fully booked. I think I had 64 weddings at my peak season and wow. just completely maxed out. Yeah. <laughs> in all areas there. But yeah, it was fairly unconventional for sure. Is it consistent with who you are? Like it's unconventional for the world, but is this kind of something that like you see is like, I don't know, when you look back on like younger Jen, are you like, yeah, that's pretty on brand? Yeah, it's totally on brand. <laughs> I, I always used to equate it, you know, I'd get really nerdy with astrology and I would equate it to being a Gemini and being, you know, that multi-passionate Gemini kind of personality mm -hmm. who's a little bit flighty and flaky. <laughs> but yeah, I think I've always just been inspired and motivated to just try new things. And I've never really been one to have many roadblocks put in front of me. I mean, I've had actual roadblocks externally, but I never have my own internal roadblocks. It's more like I have this very inflated sense of what I can actually achieve, <laughs> which wow. has let me down many times. But yeah, it's been, I think a lot of it comes from childhood. And I spoke about this in my in one of my early podcasts, but I didn't have a lot of friends and I was bullied quite heavily. And so it was almost like, I think it could have gone one of two ways. I think a lot of people who go through times like that, they get smaller and they kind of crumble under that stress or, mm. you know, trauma. And I think I kind of went the opposite way. And it was more like an attitude of like, what do I have to lose? You guys don't like me anyway. So <laughs> I might as well just do all the things and try things and be as cringy as possible because, you know, you guys aren't even my friends anyway. So it was kind of that, I think, that helped in a way, maybe. Wow. That is, I mean, like, that's a really incredibly rare sort of metabolization of your earlier childhood sort of experiences. Like, I mean, it is always like, you know, it's hard to tell, like linking, you know, why you are one way or another and like the sort yeah. of stories that we tell ourselves. So, like, 
I think that, you know, not having that sense of like, well, this could go wrong or this could go wrong or this Mm -hmm. could go wrong. And then just like jumping into it is kind of something that all photographers sort of (laughs) need to have. Like everyone needs to have Mm -hmm. like a little inkling of that. Like if you think about it too much, then you sort of get that like analysis paralysis where you just. Oh, yeah. It's just like you can't move forward because there are so many things that could possibly go wrong. But I, I yeah, just absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because I think my parents were a really huge influence in that because they used to flip houses. So through the 80s and the 90s, they would buy a house, we would move into it, they would renovate it from top to bottom, and then we'd sell it and we'd move on to the next house. And mm. so that, I think, has also kind of helped in the sense that everything was always figure outable. You know, yes. it was like we would buy this crazy fixer upper where, you know, the roof would be caving in in one area and they would just figure out a way financially and logistically of how to make it work. And then they would make a profit off of it, sell it, we'd move to the next one. And so I think that really helped in many ways as well, just that resilience and their creativity with all of their entrepreneurial endeavors as well was really cool to grow up with. Yeah. And to see like, I don't know how rewarding it is to see potential in something that no one else can see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a fun thing. I think I drive my partner crazy now because I'm always on the real estate websites looking at different <laughs> houses and we are in no way ready to move. Like we we have a lot of work to do in our own house, but I'm like, "Oh, look this. Like we could we could renovate it in this way or do this." So, yeah, it's never ending, but I think that has helped with I don't know, just pushing through you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting that like you kind of describe yourself as like almost like flighty or even when you talk about your house, like how you're like, oh, we've got a lot of work to do, but kind of, you know, part of you is like one foot out the door ready for the next project. (laughs) But like, you know, despite this, like you've been a photographer for 16 years, like Mm -hmm. what is it about photography that has held you, yeah, that's captivated you, that sort of like captured Mm -hmm. your attention in that way? that you can stick with it for so long. Yeah, wow. I mean, there's probably so many different factors. I think just the connection with other humans on Mm. that really vulnerable level is a really big part of it. And specifically with weddings, being able to kind of enter into this space of Like, I mean, it's such a sacred space that you're entering into. And as much as I think today, there's a lot of focus. And and even back then, there was a lot of focus on the visuals and how it looks. But the way that a wedding feels and the the different stories that you can kind of spot at a wedding day, you know, like the story, Mm -hmm. everyone has their own experience that they're going Mm -hmm. through on that day, you know, beyond the couple. It's like... I don't know, watching the parents and just the way that they're integrating the day and feeling it out and all the friends and family and grandparents, the way that they're observing it and just being able to observe them observing the day. Like it's just, it's like watching a movie unfold every weekend. It's so, so beautiful. And I can't imagine what else I could possibly be doing, you know? Mm. I'm sure other photographers are probably the same. It's like, where else would I want to be on a on a weekend? <laughs> yeah, know? that's so beautiful. I feel like just kind of being able to notice though, like that like infinite possibility of like each mm. wedding and like all the 
potential interactions and like the sort of chemistry between people it's like every single one is so different so even Mm. though like your constant has been photography like the experiences that you are given access to through photography is like constantly in flux yeah absolutely I feel like I've learned so much about relationships too just you know from watching other people and you hear all the speeches and you watch all the people talk about these things, you know, that there's the classic mm-hmm. speeches that we've all heard over and over again, mm-hmm. but then there's some really heartfelt ones or even ceremonies and what's happening there. And I think if we all just really embraced it and listened in a little bit closer, it's like, there are so many secrets on a wedding day that we can take back into our own lives with us. It's really cool. I'm seeing the link now, too, between, like, the psychology and, like, the wet, you know, like, just that, like, interest in, like, humans and, like, human relationships and, like, sort of trying to understand, like, the Mm -hmm. way we kind of tick. Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool seeing other, I mean, cultures that I didn't grow up with as well, you know, just being able to witness the way that other people act um, if, with different cultural practices or just in general, the way that different family members act. I think we all as humans kind of go into situations thinking, okay, I know how people act. I know what's to be expected here. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that I am surprised so often. <laughs> like I love that I go into these situations And I just get to observe and assess and kind of, I don't know, get a greater understanding of humanity through it. It's really, really beautiful. And you don't have to really like travel. Like, I don't know, like when you go to a wedding or something and you're like enveloped in someone else's entire like Mm. social world, it's like you're kind Mm. of having to, if it's like a sort of intercultural experience, you're having to sort of pick up on these little cues and like... Mm -hmm decorums and sort of behave in a certain way that's different to how you're maybe used to like guess an example is like there's this place a couple hours down the coast that I always really like to go surfing and every Sunday there's like the Sikh temple it's like one of the biggest like Sikh populations in Australia and there's the Sikh temple and every Sunday they have this thing called Langar which is like it's kind of a free like it's a service like it's a devotional service to the community and they invite people in to come and enjoy food. And you go in and it's like, mm-hmm. you're in this rural town in Australia, but, you know, all of a sudden you like have to take your shoes off at the door. And then there's like a men's side and a woman's side. And then like everyone's lining up and everyone's sort of, you know, comfortable with each other in this way of social mm-hmm. exchange that like all of a sudden you're like in their world and you have to... Mm-hmm learn how to just like by observing and like being respectful and interacting like how to sort of adopt these new social kind of norms yeah and I feel like weddings would be kind of similar like you kind of go in and it's like you're the guest like you're the mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I find that really yeah. interesting yeah you're the you're the true observer it's fascinating I remember years ago doing a a wedding that was fully French So there was no speaking of English at all. And even though I've grown up in Canada, I have no French skills whatsoever. So (laughs) photographing this wedding was really interesting because I had to solely rely on visually just like truly watching people. And, Uh you know, during speeches or anything, I had to wait for 
facial cues rather than verbal cues because we're so used to, you know, hearing a punchline in a joke and then we go to whoever we need to, you know, get on camera and photograph in that moment. But we couldn't do that for this specific wedding. So we had to hyper focus on every minor little facial movement or detail. And it was so interesting. It was so beautiful. It was a really cool lesson. Yeah. And it just kind of sheds light on all the different ways that humans communicate. And like, we're so, Mm -hmm. you know, like used to just like speaking with each other, but there are so many other like, just like micro expressions and like gestures and things that we're picking up on, on a day-to-day basis without really noticing. And then when you're in these situations, you're having to rely on them completely. It would be an interesting study to actually practice that and watch movies with the sound off and no subtitles. Just watch it silently or just play music in the background and just purely watch a movie for facial expressions and reactions just to kind of like dive into that a little deeper and and make it almost this like fun practice. I think that would be so cool. I've never tried it, but I'm like in this moment, I was like, "Hmm, that could be a really fun yeah yeah and like (laughs) relevant to photography too like I feel like Mm -hmm. you know I don't know I was just looking at your feed before and there are so many beautiful images that are sort of inviting the viewer into this world this sort of narrative this moment in time and we don't get like we don't get the audio like we don't get the video Mm -hmm. like we just have these like little snippets and I feel like that's something that I don't know I think that you do really well is like you tell these stories that are sort of accessible interculturally like universally like and it might just be you know interpretation or projection but I think there's still something like that is like the essence of Mm -hmm. human connection or the human experience that I think Mm -hmm. photographs can capture so well and I kind of want to like like see if I can loop this back around to what this whole podcast is about which is like that timelessness and the way that we can kind of transcend trends by trying to find these like kernels of like human essential experiences yeah I guess like you know so many photographers I mean, we're always consuming so much on a day-to-day basis, like Mm -hmm. so much media, so much on social media, so much like, you know, advertising, like we're just constantly like downloading like information. Mm -hmm. And I think that that inevitably plays a part in how we conceive of our own creativity. And unfortunately, sometimes it kind of homogenizes the creative landscape like there Mm -hmm. are these trends that start to emerge and because you've been sort of exposed to all these things you kind of sometimes like unless you're being really intentional about it you start to sort of just mimic or reproduce things that you've seen and Mm -hmm. you've spoken in the past about how you still use images from like 2012 like in your portfolio today And I guess I'm just curious about, like, how do you navigate this? Like, how have you gotten past trends to create images that stand the test of time? And, yeah, what's your relationship to, like, that sort of overwhelming landscape of, like, all the images that we're constantly exposed to? Yeah. Wow. Okay. This is a big question. <laughs> uh, it's, it might be a three-part a three-part answer, but, oh, okay. I think, first of all, I think that you're so right. I think that what we consume consumes us. And that mm-hmm. is something that I have said for years and I very firmly believe it. And 
And I think that we are aware of a lot of the media that we're consuming. And then I think there's a lot that we are just completely unaware of. Like we are just constantly being hit with visual images, visual content, just so much of it all the time. And I think we do have to be very intentional with how we use things like Instagram, for instance, mm-hmm. because that's kind of the source for a lot of photographers, right? Yeah. That's the source of where they're they're scrolling. And I think a lot of people scroll to numb at times too, which is like a whole other kind of yeah. side <laughs> side category. Yeah. But I mean, I find myself doing it often and I have to actively say like, Jen, turn the phone off. You're numbing. Just turn it off. Mm-hmm. Go do something productive. Or, you know, at the very least, if if I feel that I need to numb, meaning I need to just kind of zone out because mm-hmm. maybe it's been a long day and I have three kids. So, I mean, there are a lot of moments where I just need yeah, to, just, you know, <laughs> just turn everything off on my brain. But I think in those moments, if we can choose healthier, more mm, impactful imagery or media to consume, it will be so much more beneficial for us as artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I so agree. I really try to kind of shift over to, I have an ongoing list of movies that I need to watch that people have recommended to me. And I have a list of movies that I recommend that other people watch in order to consume really beautiful media and film. Because I think it does influence our work. And I think that there's like an active and an inactive way that it influences us. Like we can be aware of it in many ways. And then I think it's a subconscious process in a lot of ways as well, where you could be watching something and maybe you watch it the night before a photo shoot. And I've I've had this happen recently and it blew my mind when I saw the photos. I should make a post about it at some point. Yes. But yeah, I was watching the movie Tar and it's a beautiful, beautiful film about a music conductor in an orchestra and so really beautiful classical music and the cinematography was just unreal it was the most beautiful I had seen in a while and so I processed the film and even afterwards I spoke to my partner about it and I was like wow that was so beautiful like I love that one shot where this happened or that one scene where this happened and look at the lighting in that Mm. scene you know just really reflecting on it and then the next day I went to do an engagement shoot And it was so interesting how I didn't have the movie actively in my mind. It was passively just floating in the back of my head. I wasn't aware of it. But the way that I shot that session was so on par with the cinematography of that film, just naturally, without forcing it. Yeah, it was so cool. And so if I had maybe been numbing out and zoning out on Instagram, scrolling for an hour before I went to bed before that shoot, I'm just curious as to how I would have approached the session. You know, if that Mm. movie had never been in my head, it would have been a completely different look at the end of the day. So I think that was a really big moment for me where I was like, okay, we need to be so intentional. It's very fragile, you know? Totally. I love that movie. That's a Kate Blanchett one. Hey. Oh my God. Yes. It's oh, beautiful. It's insane. Like it just like it gets it gets pretty intense. <laughs> it's so intense and it's so complex. But I just I really love how it wasn't like a right or wrong kind of narrative. Yeah. It wasn't like simple at all. And you're right. Like the lighting in it was so beautiful. Like and the architecture. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Right. 
Yeah, I know. Not it, that it way. Is this is an episode. This is not a film review podcast. I am not qualified, but <laughs> we could was... go sideways and do that. But yeah, I don't think we have the time. <laughs> so good. To, yeah, to circle back to the question, in terms of trends and in terms of just the idea of trends, I don't have any issue with trends. I actually really welcome trends into my work for sure. Like I've jumped into things and then some have stuck and I've taken them for a longer walk through my, you know, photography journey Mm. than other people, you know, when they've died out. But there's, yeah, I think there's trends are trends for a reason, you know, someone makes it trendy and everyone wants it. And I think there's some validity to it. And I think Mm -hmm. even when, when people do certain physical wedding trends, so not even just visual trends, but trends at weddings, for instance, like right now, I don't know, that sort of old money aesthetic is really in, right? The Mm. Vogue editorial, old money aesthetic, probably influenced by Saltburn and other films, I imagine. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think there is a place for it because I think it it almost documents this moment in time. You know, it's like when we look back at our parents' images from the 80s, yes, there's the visual trends, but then there's the actual trends of the time. And so I think there's certain things where it's like that that's okay. And I've I've seen people post on Instagram saying, you know, here's what's in and what's out. And it's like, yeah, but also let's just let people do what they want to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with their weddings. But visually, the trends, I've seen so many trends come and go when it comes to editing. So that's one where I want to just take those visual trends with a grain of salt. I want to dip my toes into them just a little, get enough in that maybe I'm staying a little bit relevant (laughs) from a marketing (laughs) perspective, you know, but not make it my whole personality, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I I think you're right. Like it's not, we don't need to get like binary about it where like trends are bad and, you know, we should be trying to avoid them at all costs. Like, I think you're right. Like there's so much that we can learn from understanding the trends as they sort of come and go but I guess like I think my beef with trends is that like it's kind of like it's almost like I think people think that following a trend provides some guarantee that your work is going to be liked and that like they want their work to be liked instead of stepping outside and sort of trying to really dig into who they are and what they're trying to say and I don't think that that's Absolutely. like a super easy thing to do, but no. I don't know. I think like, yeah, n- being really able to navigate that relationship between like themselves and their relationship to their inner critic and mm-hmm. like that, like what is the creative power that they might be suppressing in order to seek likes, I guess. Yeah, a hundred percent. And y- you've literally just you've pretty much just explained and pitched my Instagram workshop that I just launched like last week. It's literally a course about exactly what you just said about how to essentially dig into the inner artist that is within all of us that I think we're kind of silencing by using trends, by relying on those, you know, quick fixes or quick fads to be able to attract clients. And what's happening is we're blanketing it over top of this beautiful artist that's in, that's inside of us and this authentic being that's inside of us. And so, yeah, I, I think 
I mean, in my opinion, Instagram is such a beautiful platform for photographers. And I think it's been a little bit diluted lately and just sort of homogenized, as you said earlier, where no one's really showing their true authentic story or journey or even just what their values are. It's like when you go to different Instagram accounts, you really don't you can't get a sense of who many photographers are these days because I think everyone's just kind of following along, you know, mm-hmm. with the rules of everyone, but many. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's more impactful personally to create this space where when an audience comes to your Instagram account, for instance, they are taken on this journey, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's almost like you're not only curating the visual grid, but you're curating an experience for the audience that brings them into your world as an artist. And I think that's the really important bit that a lot of people are missing when they're fully embracing trends. Yeah. And I I don't know. I feel like it kind of goes deeper than like what you post, you know, I feel like you've already touched on this, but like for a lot of photographers out there who like I don't know, it might feel like that's kind of the thing to do or that's like the best thing to do when they're growing their business. Like, do you have any good sort of practices, journaling prompts, like exercises into self-inquiry that people might be able to use to help them really dig into like who they are and what they want to share? Regardless of whether you photograph elopements, weddings, or family sessions, the juggling act that comes with running your own business can be a real struggle. There's a lot that falls on your shoulders, from marketing yourself, to managing your finances, to finding new ways to stay creatively inspired. Look, it's a lot to expect one person to do on their own. You should be able to grow a thriving photography business without losing sleep, time, or all your friends over it. Having empowered over 500,000 photographers worldwide to make money doing what they love, the unscripted app for photographers takes the struggle out of what you do. Offering the world's most extensive collection of poses and prompts, lawyer-approved contracts, digital invoices, client questionnaires, beautifully designed galleries, and so much more, your only regret will be not getting on board earlier. Stop feeling disorganized, insecure, and awkward. Book your ideal clients and grow a thriving photography business today. Search Unscripted in your app store now and get $20 off lifetime access with our code UnscriptedPodcast. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I think... Oh, boy. I mean, I think one of the first ones is we need to quiet the noise and take some time even just away from the app. Because I think when we're in those early stages of trying to build a business and establish who we are, I think that's kind of the stage where people are the most absorbed into Instagram. Wouldn't you say? It's like we're spending so much time because we call it research. You know, we're looking around at all these other accounts and we're considering it research when really I think it's like our brains are so fresh at that point, like as new photographers, right? Like it's wide open. It's like a blank slate. And that is the most beautiful space to be in. Yeah. But then we fill it with everybody else's personalities and accounts and, you know, um, branding and whatever. And so I think we need to kind of clear that out and clear the noise. So actively just putting your phone away for even like a full 24 hours. Don't even access the app. Even delete Instagram from your phone if you need to for just 24 hours, right? 
That's what I do. I just check it on my desktop. Like I don't have, I'm the annoying person that people are like, you need to download the app to like get this like special disappearing message or whatever. And I'm like, I I just can't, I can't have that in my life. No, (laughs) too much. (laughs) I'm not to be trusted. (laughs) No, I get it. (laughs) I feel the same way. So yeah, distance yourself, take some actual space energetically, physically away from the app, put it away. Don't go on it, remove yourself from it and then start journaling. Like you said, journal prompts are so, so effective. If you have a meditation practice, even if it's just a tiny one, even if you just literally give yourself five minutes in the morning to just sit with your own thoughts. Like I don't think enough people are checking in with themselves and having conversations with themselves other than, you know, the self-deprecating or like criticizing conversations that we tend to have, right? when we're comparing ourselves to others because of social media. So put away the social media, sit with yourself and really ask yourself, A, what do I value? You know, as a photographer, as a human in general, what do I value? And you can look up, I mean, you could just Google a list of values, like list of values, just literally Google that and it will give you all these words because sometimes we have to see them to feel... An emotional response, right? So just go through and start writing those down. Like, what are the things that you really value? And then the next is kind of meditating on why photography? Like, why? And if it is just because it's a great income, then that's cool. Let's embrace that. Yeah. That's fine. But let's dig a little bit deeper as to how does photography move you? What moves you in general? What sort of things move you when you watch movies, when you listen to music? What are the the phrases used in music that, you know, give you goosebumps or, you know, make your eyes well up a little bit or the scenes in movies that make you cry? Like just really getting clear on who you are as an emotional being is going to help so, so much. And then from there, I feel like establishing who you want to work with beginning, it's like you want to kind of work with everybody. But I think if you can narrow it down to like a single, almost an imaginary person, like an outline of a person. And you can even, I have friends, Joel and Justina Bedford. They're really incredible photographers from Canada as well. And I heard them give this presentation at a conference once where they actually gave this outline person a name. And so they just gave her a generic name. They called her Mary or something. But Mary was this accumulation or conglomeration of every one of their ideal clients that they had ever photographed and all their future sort of anticipated ideal clients. And so when they would go to make a post on Instagram or write any sort of copy on their website, they would just think that they were speaking to Mary or, you know, whatever whatever the name is. And I just love that as a practice. I think it's so impactful because yes. I think a lot of us think we're speaking to this massive, huge, huge audience when really it's like only a few people are really going to resonate. So let's just speak directly to them. Right. Yeah, totally. And then it kind of gives you an opportunity to be able to create an intimate relationship with that person. And you totally. feel much more able to sort of speak to them because you know yeah. who they are and you can kind of address them by name and you can really, yeah, develop this sort of back and forth with them, even if it's just imaginary. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that I teach in the Instagram course is kind of approaching your Instagram and just the way that you interact with that and sort of avoid the trends, you know, and and really tap into who you are as an authentic being. One of the really cool ways that you can do that is think about it like it's your own personal art gallery. 
So it's yeah. like actually picture an art gallery in you know New York City or Paris or wherever your art gallery would be. And then think about the conversations that you would have with the people viewing your art that's on the walls. And I think that can really help because most people go so blank when they go to post on Instagram. They just, again, they're thinking, okay, well, what's a cool thing that I should write? What's the coolest thing I should say? What's going to attract clients? And they're thinking in this weird sort of outsourcing way rather than just if a person was standing looking at your art, what would you say to them in that moment? How would you describe it to them? You know? Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah, I think that's super helpful. And I also really loved what you said before as well about how, you know, it's really important to embrace that blank canvas that you have mm-hmm. when you're just starting out and not to sort of fill it with other people's ideas and other people's work, you know, that like, yeah. I don't know, I feel like I remember when I was like writing like essays for uni I would sorry university I was like (laughs) (laughs) like let me translate my Australian I got you but but like I sometimes would spend so much time researching because I never really wanted to get to the point of writing like research kind of became a procrastination it was the thing that stood in the way between me and the thing I actually wanted to get done yeah that's so common. I know so, so com- many people that do that. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, hmm, what are they doing? What are they doing? And then you just get down the wormhole and it's kind of safer there instead of like sure. originally coming up with a thing to put out into the yeah. world. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to that so much with writing and the way that I used to kind of self-censor what I would say Mm -hmm. and how I would speak. I would like look things up and find phrases that, you know, were made sense. And I don't know, I kind of got to a point where I was just like, this doesn't even sound like me. Like, I don't speak this way. So why am I presenting myself in this way that isn't really me? Like, I I never want that. I want people to come see my work, feel like it's me. And they're not just kind of walking into another trendy photographer account or website or whatever, Mm. whatever the thing may be. Yeah. Kind of on that, like when you sort of have the initial sort of stages of like your contact with clients, like do people kind of come in and expect you to do more of the work that you've already done or, or do they kind of trust you to sort of create photographs like within your own creative process like I guess how do you build a relationship with your clients so that your clients might be more willing to like let go of their own expectations and join you in like this like novel new creative world with them yeah that's such a great question I have something set up on my like sort of the services area of my website where it talks about you know what I offer so wedding photography engagement photography and under the engagement session area. It speaks about how these sessions are meant to be creative narratives that really reflect who you are as a couple. And they Mm -hmm. tell the story of who you are. And we craft them together. We collaborate on them together. We create a mood board together to really be able to fully embrace your story. And I think I even go so far as to say something about how this isn't just a typical session where we take you to a pretty location and I take your photos. Like it's going to be so much more than that. So I think just by putting it out there right off the bat has been really helpful. I mean, Mm. even just a recent inquiry I got a couple of days ago was... It was so beautiful. It was a couple who wanted an engagement session. They're staying in nearby the area 
for a few weeks and they found me, found my website and they said, this is perfect. This is, they gave me a whole huge spiel about their relationship and then metaphorically where they wanted to go and do the shoot because that felt like them. And just, it's really cool how if you kind of open up that world for them, people don't know when they're hiring wedding photographers. They just, we're we're technically the experts, right? Like we Mm. tell them what the trends are, what the process, you know, we're kind of laying it out for them. So if you change it a little bit and say, well, this is my process, I mean, they're going to just go with it or they're not. They're going to find someone who would just take them into a field and take pretty pictures. And that's totally fine, right? Mm, like, yeah, our couples that work well with us and resonate with us and our work. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. It explained is helpful. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like, I just, I think that like, I was listening to you speak about one of your shoots that you did where it was just really conceptually driven. I think it was something to do with like a note in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you kind of got your client to just, I mean, I think that it's like, that education is you sort of spoke about where you're like sort of laying the foundation for them to have some kind of expectation that this shoot is going to be more than just going mm-hmm. somewhere pretty and taking pretty photos. But yeah. I think like building that sense of trust is really crucial mm-hmm. too, that like, they're like, okay, like this is kind of intimate and it might be a little bit me outside of my comfort zone, but obviously Jen's here for me and she's going to guide me through it. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think that that mood board back and forth between photographers and clients is kind of rare in a way. Like, yeah, it's a lot of legwork. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And a, a lot of photographers have actively in the past posted things saying, I don't want a mood board. I don't like when clients send me a mood board. And I'm like, I love it. Like, I love being able to collaborate it on it together because. I think that you can kind of get a sense of what is in their head because every client has their own vision. And sometimes it's not your images in their head. It's someone else's images. So I kind of want to know that. I want to see what's happening inside of their head, how they're envisioning the images are going to look so I can manage their expectations, you know? Yeah, totally kind of throw in some of my own and guide the process in a way and speak to them as well and say, you know, okay, you have a lot of photos that are on beaches, but we're going to be in New York City. So let's talk about this. Like, yeah. what about these images <laughs> do you like, you know? Yes, totally. Because I think there are so many things that can kind of be confusing about a mood board where someone sends you all these yeah. photos and you interpret it in a way that's different to the way that they intended it. Yes. Like, yeah, like, lots of photos of beaches and you're like, well, do yeah. we need to go to the beach to get this yeah. board right? Or is it just the lighting totally. that you like? Or is it the poses? Or what yeah. is it about this that... Exactly. A lot of your sort of photos, I think because you work so closely with your clients to create something that's like unique, feel timeless. And I just kind of want you to walk us through like to you, like what makes something timeless? Like what's the anatomy Mm. of a timeless photograph? I love that. I feel like, I don't know. Okay. So when I think of the word timeless, 
my instant thought is to envision maybe my grandparents' wedding photo. Mm. And because that would be, in a sense, it's kind of this timeless, nostalgic blend. And when I look at it, it's black and white, for one. So it isn't color graded. So there is a timelessness to black and white. And I think we could all probably agree as photographers, right? Definitely. I think color, historically over the years, you can really date color. It's, It's very obvious, right? Yes. But black and white, it's kind of a mystery. I mean, you have to then lean on the fashion to tell you what era the photo is from. So I think that's why I've leaned so heavily into black and white. And Mm. a lot of photographers have asked me, you know, through different education things, they've said, well, aren't you worried that your couples aren't going to want all of the black and white? Like my couples only want you know, just a few black and whites. And it's like, but if you are only showing that, like if you set yourself up for success by managing these client expectations, showing them even on your Instagram grid, on your website, show them the ratio of your black and white to color, you know, Mm. like visually just show them, take them on that journey, bring them into your world and show them this is the ratio of black and white that I like to show. Therefore, this is probably what you're going to receive. I also have it written on my website as well, but this is kind of a big factor for me with black and white is that it is just so incredibly timeless. And mm. yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's part one. And then I think part two is the emotion. Like, I think that's always been one of the elements where poses can become trendy. And we, I know we've both seen this over the years where it's like <laughs> there are certain trending poses. And I yes. can look back at my work from 2012 and I'm like, oh, shoot. Like that is a trendy pose. Like I could name some of the iconic oh, poses for the years. Right? Yes, I'm. I got them in my brain. I know exactly yeah, where you're at. Totally, <laughs> and I'm not going to call anyone out, so I'm not going to no, say anyone. No. But we're all we're there. Know. Yeah, yeah. And if if you're a photographer and you are finding yourself in a session and you're cycling through kind of like a series of poses, maybe just question: Is there a way that you can? Find something in between the poses because I think having a cycle of poses is not a bad thing. Like it's Mm. great. And I have it too. Like I have my go-to poses that work every single time, but I'm not necessarily showing those on my grid or even on my website. Like they're just kind of the, they're like the foundation, but then what the couple organically does within that and transitioning to the next pose, that's the, like the juicy part. That's yeah. the the emotion. And yeah. And then I think the way that you speak to your couple as well during those sessions and kind of nurture that, you know, if you're going for more of an intimate feeling, just speaking in more of a, a quieter, gentle, intimate way, having music playing, I think it can all really foster that sense of emotion. And then just understanding them, you know, that's kind of the missing piece is really get to know your clients and figure out who they are as people and ask them deep questions rather than just talking about the wedding day. When you're on that client call, ask them, you know, like, what did you think the moment you first saw each other? Like what was going through your head? And, you know, how did you feel when you started planning your wedding? Just deeper questions, you know? Mm, Totally. Totally. And I think as well, it's like, they're letting you in on this, like, yeah you know, we all know like the most important day. And so I feel like having that like relational context to be able to capture people Mm -hmm. and like the sort of below the surface stuff I feel like is, yeah, I think that's like kind of timeless too. 
Absolutely. And it makes it more fun. I mean, if you show up to a wedding where you don't know the couple at all versus a couple that you've really gotten to know and love on a deep level, it makes it so much more enjoyable to photograph. Oh my God. You're doing yourself a favor and the photos will be better for it. So (laughs) it works. Do you you have any thoughts to share on where you think photography trends might take us in the next like five or 10 years? Like, do you think it's leaning more towards this like intimate kind of, because I mean, look, I don't want to like call out exactly, but I feel like there were some poses that's like, and I did them too, of like kind of the more abstract human body shape kind of Mm -hmm. posing trends. But I'm, I'm curious and I think I am seeing a little bit more of like these sort of, I don't know. Anyway, the question is for you, not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the question is photography trends specifically, like the visual trends? Yes. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay, so, I mean, there is a current trend. I'm just going to, I don't even have my thoughts curated for this. I'm literally just going on a whim here. But so there's a trend with weddings now where people are getting content creators to kind of co-shoot the wedding, right? Yes. And it's a big, big thing. And I haven't experienced it yet at a wedding. I haven't had a content creator come and create the behind the scenes, you know, TikTok and Instagram. Like reels and stuff. Yeah. 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 I haven't experienced it, but I've heard of situations and I've seen both sides. I've heard content creators speak about it and about what their role is at the wedding. And then I've heard photographers getting irritated about it. And I haven't experienced it. So I really can't speak to it in that way. But it just kind of tells me that, I mean, that's every time we see stuff like that happening, it's like, okay, well, where is this going to go? Because things always kind of Lip flop aggressively from one side to the other. So right now we're in this consumption of content. We're in, you know, this mode of like we're just sharing everything. We're sh- we're live streaming our wedding. We're gonna get content. We're gonna do this and that, and it's a lot. It's a lot. So <laughs> there's a part of me that feels like if we just give it a little bit of time, like just a little bit of time. And this is coming from 16 years of, you know, being in the industry where I've seen a lot of things come and go, and a lot of things kind of go back and forth, swing Mm. back and forth on the pendulum. But I think that it's going to get a lot more quiet and gentle in a sense Mm. after all the big fuss of like, you know, uh, I don't know, because we saw sparkler exits and we're still seeing that and the big champagne towers and a lot of excitement and energy. And and it's great. Like that's so beautiful. But I'm curious to see if photos get almost just quieter at some point. I don't know. This is a weird. (laughs) yeah yeah I mean that's kind of like what I I was like you know maybe really poorly articulating before I like abandoned my like ask myself the question (laughs) tactic and like turned the microphone back over to you but I love I don't know I think that could be yeah I would put my money on that too yeah yeah yeah. it's fascinating I'm here for it like I'm (laughs) I'm not going anywhere anytime soon so I imagine, you know, five years from now, the whole industry is going to look a lot different because it always does. You know, Mm. every five years we see major shifts. So I don't know. And then, you know, there's a lot of AI stuff kind of coming in and that's interesting. And I, I don't think I have an opinion 
on much of this on either side. I think right now I'm just collecting information and observing and just, I don't know. Yeah. See what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I think the longer you're in something, the less likely you are to kind of be caught up in the turbulence of it all. Like, you know, it sounds like you're sort of able to sort of take a step back and get a little bit more of like a, a bird's eye view and like take everything kind of with a grain of salt without kind of really yeah. running the hamster wheel and thinking like, I've oh, got to yeah. do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And I think that's, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's nice to be able to sit back and know that consistently I've been able to book and it's purely based on just showing emotion. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with, with trends because I'm not, a particularly trendy person. I don't get featured in any big publications or magazines and I'm totally fine with that. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's fine. I mean, I'm not, I think that's another, maybe that's another journal prompt is just knowing what your goals are. And if your goals are to be, you know, being published in magazines and, and featured and traveling all over the world to shoot weddings, that's incredible. And knowing your goal, knowing that that's your goal is is really important. But I think a lot of us kind of attach ourselves to goals that aren't actually our own. I think we adopt other people's goals because we hear that that's what we're supposed to do in the industry. And I don't think that that's healthy. I think we need to get really clear on what our own goals are. And I think that's another way that you can avoid trends and really just tap into who you are and who your clients are, you know? Mm. Are a lot of your goals these days kind of more education related? Are you kind of transitioning kind of out of photography more into education? Or are you kind of continuing sort of on both tracks for a little while? Yeah, I'm I'm continuing on both for sure. I think I have a, a goal. I want to do around 10 weddings every year. That's That feels like a really good number for me. Mm. And I have you know, in my mind, I have this sort of ideal client and it's based on, you know, a, re- a replica cutout of a past client. So I've got, you know, my ideal clients. And if they're still coming to me, if I, if I'm still getting those 10 wonderful people to photograph every year, then I'll continue doing it and I'll continue striving for that. But then, yeah, I also, I really, really love the education part of things. And just it almost feels like it's another form of art and creation and it's something that i think is so magical to dive into and i'm currently in the process of working through creating a course for other photographers on how to create intentional courses and education and even if it's workshops or just like a one-on-one mentorship or you know just any little thing that you can offer how to create it in a way that you can bring people into your world and share and teach from an intentional place rather than here's, you know, 30 days to do this or 20 days to do this or, you know, all these things that we're constantly seeing and really like low value education that's out there. I think it's really important to offer, I don't know, high value intentional education yeah, so, absolutely. Can you give us a little yeah. rundown on all the courses that you offer? You're talking about an Instagram sure. one, and then this one's yeah. in the works. 
Yeah. So I have, yeah, I just went through a launch last week and that even just the process of launching is a really interesting one because there's a lot of rules and people will tell you, this is how you have to do it. This is how you have to do a launch. You have to set up a webinar. You have to do this. You have to follow this script. And it's kind of mirroring the photography industry in a sense where I'm like, I'm actually just going to do it my own way. <laughs> just yes. see what happens, you know, and I'm going to come at it from a really authentic place. And even the webinar that I did do, it was so unscripted and just very raw and honest. And I just think that that's more impactful. You know, it doesn't have to be polished. If you don't do well with polished content, then don't do it. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's called Curated, the Art of Instagram. And it is, for Australian audiences, it's around 200-ish. I tried to do the exchange prior to figure out what it was. But yeah, it's around 200 Canadian, 200 Australian. And it's really beautiful. It's 19 different lessons and ongoing material will be added to the course based on the questions that people can actually input in the course module, which is really cool. cool. So. Yeah, that's yeah, that. So it's you just get access on... to it and then it'll kind of continue to grow and you continue to just have access to it. Exactly. That's yeah, because cool. there's going to be, well, I mean, with Instagram, there's so many updates all the time and algorithmic changes. So it felt weird to just kind of close it and be like, <laughs> end, end, you know? Yeah. It's like, I think we have to have constant updates and it just goes back to this value I have about intentional and high value education where it's like, if people have questions at the end, I want to honor that and I want to add those in. So there's a whole bonus section where those are being added in as people get through it. So it's kind of based on the more people that are in the course, the more people asking questions, the more content will be created, which is kind of cool. That's awesome. That's so generous. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's really, really cool. So that's on jennifermohereducation.com. You can find it there. And then run a photography retreat. It's a wellness retreat for wedding photographers. And we do it twice a year. I co-run it with my friend Jill. And she's a somatic energy worker, a yogi. She's also a photographer. And so we've kind of blended the two worlds of wellness retreat meets photography workshop meets styled shoot and it's all blended into one so mm, that on the go I know it's really cool <laughs> it's a lot of fun it's called the alchemy retreat we have one coming up in Mexico there's two spots left it's April 1st to 5th I don't know when this is airing but wow <laughs> if no interested. it'll be before then that sounds like if I don't snap up those yeah. two spots yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you can find there's a link to that on jennifermohereducation.com as well and yeah, that's, I mean, that's basically it. I've got lots of things in the works always, but those are kind of the two main things at the moment that I'm pouring my heart into. So amazing! Yeah, thank you for asking. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for sharing. It sounds like such incredible offerings. And as you said, yeah, really high value and really intentional. And I feel like, yeah, in a sort of time where like, everyone and their dog is like making a course and like trying to like tap into that like gold rush passive income kind of thing like it's so nice that there are still courses kind of being created that like you can tell like people have like yeah. really put their heart and soul into it 
Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think that's why I feel so inspired to help other people do that now because I see the value in it. Like it feels really good to put something out into the universe that, you know, you know, is high value. You know, it just feels really good in your heart. So totally. Yeah. Yeah, oh, well, we're that. just kind of beginning to wrap up here. But is there anything I haven't asked you that you'd like to talk about before we go? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that was really, it was a really lovely opportunity to chat with you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing. I always do a little wrap up at the end, like in the conclusion of like all of the things that you know, our sort of main takeaways from the episode. And I just feel like you've given us so much value. And yeah, I really appreciate having you on. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you. As you can just hear me saying towards the end of our conversation, I really feel like this chat was so full of valuable insights and inspiration to help anyone approach their photography and creative consumption with intention. Here are three of the takeaways that I got from this episode. The first one was, what we consume consumes us. And sometimes, a lot of the media we're consuming is stuff we're not even aware of. So I guess, be intentional about how you use your phone, be aware of when you turn on the TV, and ask yourself why you're doing it. Two, make a conscious decision to choose to consume healthier imagery. Keep a folder in your notes of movies that your friends have recommended, artists you've come across that you want to see more of, or magazines that inspire you. When you find yourself reaching for some kind of entertainment, maybe direct your attention here instead. And three, take time to quiet the noise. Take a digital detox, journal, meditate, cultivate physical and mental space away from other people's perspectives so your internal voice can be heard. Remember, timeless photos are all about connection, emotion, and authenticity. And as an artist, a big part of your job is to share your unique voice with the world. Don't be afraid to experiment, find your style, find the magic in the everyday, and have heaps of fun. Thank you guys so much for joining me on another episode of the Unscripted Podcast for Photographers. We'll see you next time. This podcast was created on the unceded land of the Bundjalung people and we pay our respects to elders past, emerging, and present.